0: welcome to the vaccination station my name is dave and today i'm speaking with craig egan craig thank you for joining me
1: Thanks for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Let's start by getting to know you. Can you tell me three things about yourself that you think the audience would find interesting?
1: (laughs) Uh, So um, I became kind of, uh, I don't know if legendary is the right word, but well-known and notorious uh, fighting against anti-vaccination groups, uh, first on Facebook for years and then uh, in real life uh, following uh, some uh, anti-vax. A bus around the country... Um, but it's funny because uh, a lot of people know me as the vaccine uh, troll or whatever they want to call me. But there's there's a whole different spectrum of people in this world who know me as the karaoke guy or know me as the uh, malt liquor party guy or like all sorts of different things. So I I've, I like to have fun. I like to do a lot of different things, but uh, I kind of fell into the, the vaccination uh, fight kind of hard.
0: What do you do when you're not trolling anti-vaxxers
1: well um before the pandemic i very much enjoyed um uh, karaoke (laughs) and uh and just you know what i like i like being online and and chatting with people you know and and arguing with people before vaccines it was politics um and things of that nature uh but you know what i like i like i just like going to a good concert you know i like going to uh you know having fun with my friends you know i this this whole world of uh diseases i'm after this pandemic, I'm so I'm gonna be so relieved to go back just to a normal, normal social life.
0: Craig, what's your professional background? Because you managed to follow uh, an anti-vaxxed um, propaganda group around the country for quite a while. And I think if you people wondering how you managed to do that. Did you take time off work or are you a freelancer? Do you work for yourself? What's the story there?
1: So my uh, my career had been uh, for a long time in just technology sales, um, working for, you know, internet service providers and, and things of that nature. Uh, and then I had taken a bit of time off and I was actually just driving for Uber. And I was helping take care of a, of a family member who was going through some health stuff. And I just had a lot of free time because I was just an Uber driver. So if I wanted to, I could just you know take take the uh the prius uh, out on the road instead of out to work as long as i planned accordingly
0: well you're lucky you had a prius then had <laughs> yeah. decent economy to, yeah. <laughs> to get around these places yeah it was nuts so how did you become a vaccine advocate how, how did that start what got you interested in vaccines of all things it
1: was it was a meme it was just uh, sitting there on Facebook one day, and I was going through my feed, and a, a person I knew, who was not a close friend but a solid acquaintance, uh, posted some anti-vaccination meme, and was, and it was really just kind of, you know, I looked at it, I had, I had no idea this was even a world. I mean, I, I think theoretically in my head, I, I could probably have told you that there were people who refused to vaccinate, like there were people who didn't believe in dinosaurs, and there, you know, there's, there's always the outliers of the, of the world. But I, I didn't really think it was any relevance to, you know, to society. At, at that time, I had no idea. And so I saw this meme and I was like, wait, are you, a- are you actually attacking you know, vaccines? And I started to argue with her. And, I, and it quickly became apparent that I, I wasn't going to maintain our friendship if we kept arguing. And so you know, I just kind of dropped it and I walked away. And then I went and I, and I looked at the meme she had posted and the, and the page she had posted it from. And so I followed the link to this anti-vaccination page, and it was called "Proud Parents of Unvaccinated Children." And I and I and I saw this page, and there were like twenty-five thousand likes. And I was and I was just I st- it still didn't click in my head, you know. I was like, "Wow, there's there's twenty-five thousand people who don't vaccinate their kids." I was, I was completely oblivious to the to the world, you know. And uh, I started arguing with them, and I but I, I maintained I I didn't even start arguing with them. I actually just kind of posted. I was like, "Hey." is it okay if I ask you some questions? I, I believe in vaccines, but this is interesting to me. Is it okay if I, you know, you know, ask what, you know, and, and immediately I was blocked and banned from the page. Like my comments were deleted. I couldn't, I couldn't post anymore. And for some reason that just stuck with me. And I just, I just made it my mission just to keep, I would, I would go to different anti-vaccination pages and post, and I would start screenshotting their, their page. And I created my own page so I could have an open discussion because I, what I noticed was everybody who went to their page to disagree with them immediately was scrubbed. Like it did, the comments didn't last at all. And it was, it was, for some reason it was that aspect of it that really just stuck with me. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be a pain in their ass. And I, and I was, <laughs> and I just like hammered that page for like 60 days and then they took themselves offline and everybody called me a hero and it was really weird ever since. So that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I I remember that page. It was uh, one of the more notorious ones. And uh, there were a few counter pages uh, produced against it. Um, I think one of the ones, uh, the the main one I remember was um, Embarrassed Cousins of of Antivax Parents. That was me.
1: Yeah, that was Uh, me. That was Okay. That's brilliant. That was me. Embarrassed embarrassed cousins and proud parents of unvaccinated children. Yeah. So that's kind of where I,
0: I I thoroughly enjoyed that page. I I got a lot from it.
1: Thank you. Um, Thank you. That was, that was my big splash into the scene.
0: So like a, a, a few of us then for you, it sort of started out as someone is wrong on the internet syndrome. And then you decided it was actually quite a bit more serious than that and decided make a bit of a vocation out of this. But what was it about vaccination that stirred you more than, say, any other issue, say, arguing about organic food or or nuclear power or or something else in society that's a big hot button issue? Why why vaccines?
1: What it was for me was that, uh, I mean... It, it, you're exactly right. It started with that someone's wrong on the internet syndrome as you know, I'm going to, I'm going to correct this person because they're clearly wrong and, and they want to argue with me and they're very passionate about it, but it it be, it quickly became uh, just horrifying because there were like, because there's kids involved and it really, that's what it really what it centers around. You know, you can argue about GMOs and, and organic food and you can argue if the moon landing was was faked. Or if you know the the Queen of England is a shape shifting reptile or whatever, but but all that is kind of abstract until you start making medical decisions for your kids based on absolute rubbish, you know. And so, and, and that's really kind of what what really kept me going is I would get into these anti vaccination groups, and I would I would spy on them and I would argue with them and, and whatever, but it was always just a complete rejection of modern medicine and just really horrifying advice. You would see these people give and anytime anybody else came in and said, you know what, that, that advice is very dangerous. You're going to kill your kid like that. The comments were scrubbed and they were eliminated from the conversation and it was, or they were ganged up on and just, you know, shouted out. And it just, uh, I don't know. I, for some reason, it was a combination of, of horrifying and, uh, honestly i just became really good at at it, at it and it just you know i i, I there's like there's a camaraderie where there's a whole you know um uh, it's just, you know group of people you know a uh, uh, community of people who are in this fight and it, it all just clicked with me it all just clicked together the importance of it the gravity of the situation uh the players involved were fascinating on both sides uh and it's just i don't know it just became i i, I don't know it's it, Half of it was just luck and just fate and half of, you know, some of it was just too fascinating to walk away from, honestly.
0: So not being someone with a scientific or medical background, where did you go for sources of information to combat anti-vax propaganda?
1: So I, I uh, am lucky to have, was quickly swept into some uh, groups of people that were are way more professional and, uh, and uh, educated than I am. I, I, I'm in some uh, very uh, great pro-vaccination groups where I feel like I'm the, the little kid sitting on the phone book at the, at the Thanksgiving table, you know, with the big kids. Uh, but so I had a great support system, um, but, but really for me, um, pulling out you know, one, uh, the better citation than the person you're arguing with is sometimes falling into the trap. Um, Because, you know, they want to say, okay, this is a, you know, an argument of citations, and I've got my citation, you've got your citation, and we'll let everybody decide for themselves. And really, you kind of just have to kind of sometimes walk away from that and just kind of look at the bigger picture, and just point out the ridiculousness of the arguments, the disingenuousness of the arguments, the, you know, showing, hey, you know what, you're against this particular thing and vaccines. But if we took it out, you'd still be against vaccines because you're against all the other vaccines that don't use aluminum as an adjuvant or, or whatever the case is. And so, if you can show that their argument isn't about facts at all, it's about it's about you know a dishonest representation of 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 what they're claiming the facts are, but it's all ideological based, and it's it's you you kind of have to I don't know debunk a different part of the argument than just, you know, trying to, you know, battle with, you know, my citations better than yours.
0: At which point in an argument do you decide, okay, we're done here? And, and how do you sort of make that assessment?
1: So I, my golden rule, especially arguing online, is you are never going to change the mind of the person you're arguing with. You need to argue for the observers. And so if people are watching and you kind of get the sense that people are maybe taking something away from the argument, I'll go 700 comments. I'll just keep going. Um, uh, As long as I feel like it's productive that I'm demonstrating something to people watching. Uh, That said, there are a couple of things that make me snap and uh, I hope I can say this on your podcast, but lose my shit. (laughs) And, and it's, and, and, and it's when people really start, um, I don't know, uh, diminishing the, 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 uh, the consequences of diseases. And when people start, you know, just, um, you know, you know re, re, there are certain, I don't know what it is, but there's, it, it's, 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 it doesn't happen in the arguments very often, but sometimes somebody will say something that gets under my skin and I'll just let loose on them. And, and then we're not having a co- constructive conversation anymore. And then I'll have to walk away when I, when I lose my cool. But, um, but if it's a constructive conversation, even if their argument's absolutely ridiculous, as long as I can keep pointing that out, using facts and logic and often humor. And if there's people who are like positively responding to it, I'll go all night. Sometimes I should walk away earlier, honestly.
0: Yeah, the trivialization of diseases, which are actually extremely serious, is definitely a common trope in anti-vax circles. And the irony is they only see them as uh, trivial diseases because vaccines have been so successful and variously diminishing or, or eliminating them from local populations i definitely agree with what you're saying about the importance of speaking for the observers you've got to always remember there is an audience to whatever you are saying online and although you might not be influencing the person you are arguing with there's a very strong possibility that you are influencing many other people who are more reasonable and are silently watching and learning from the argument and coming to sensible conclusions as a result. And I think that's something that that uh, is sometimes overlooked. People might walk away too early from a discussion where they could hammer out a few more points and just at least cover some bases, get a few more issues aired so that other people have a, an opportunity to see some pushback for these common anti-vax arguments because that's really important.
1: Pardon me. Yeah, and, and I think... That's other. I think that's an, you hit upon another part of why I do this, and why um, even though my my following the Vax bus around adventure wasn't the most organized or professional or probably even effective uh, uh, exercise, um, what I really want to get into people is that you have to push back. You can't let this stuff just stand. And if somebody's going to say something wrong, you don't have to get in there and argue for four hours a night or eight hours a night or like some of us do. Uh, but when somebody starts bringing up anti-vax stuff and you're like, you know, community groups, you need to push back at least once. And I think uh, the more people that do, the more, uh, you know, power and strength they have together. Uh, and it just takes one person with the pushing back at the right moment at the right time to really kind of you know, sway the conversation or the argument and, and really make a difference.
0: So let's get on to the Vaxxed bus and talk about the whole big thing there. Um, this all started in 2016 when Disgraced No Longer a Doctor Andrew Wakefield released an anti-vax propaganda film called Vaxxed from Cover-Up to Catastrophe. And in 2017, a bus tour was organised during which the vaxxed crew took their propaganda on the road to advertise the film and interview people who believed that their children had been damaged by vaccines. Now, you responded by following the bus around America, trolling the vax crew throughout the entire summer. So I'd, I'd love to hear about that experience. What gave you the inspiration to do this and how did it all begin?
1: Like some of the greatest things in history, it, start, it, it really was just a joke that went too far. Um, they... they, they I, Anybody knows who's, who's been in this argument for a long time, you hit a burnout point where you get exhausted and you just have to step away for a while. And then I, I was, I've, I've, I've experienced a few of those over the years, but I was in one or I was coming out of one at that time. Um, I hadn't been very active online. I just, cause it was kind of laying low and it just suddenly, it was kind of coming back to me. I was like, you know what? I really want to get into the, the argument vaccines thing again. And I saw that the Vax bus was coming around and they were coming through my town where I lived, which was at the time Tacoma, Washington, and the uh, park they were posting up at was literally like four blocks from my house. It couldn't have been closer. And so I took that as a um, secular sign, if you will, to say, you know what, this is going to be my catalyst. I'm going to go. I'm just going to grab some, and I, it was, it was, I just went down to like, you know, the the office supply store and just bought you know, a poster board and some Sharpies and just hand drew just, you know, vaccine save lives on a piece of, you know, paper. It wasn't anything special and just went down and stood there with a sign and was like, you know what, I'm just going to go do that. And magically enough, and this actually happened multiple times throughout uh, my adventure. uh, But uh, when I showed up, at the same time, a film crew showed up uh, for a local news broadcast, and um, he was kind of, you know, surveying the scene, hadn't talked to anybody yet, and kind of waved at me from across the park. and was like, hey, come over here and talk to me. And so I came over, and he said he was with the news. He was there to cover it. He wanted to get my input first because he kind of was under the impression that if he talked to the vaxxed people first, they were going to have a hard time with him talking to me afterwards. So he kind of wanted to talk to me before they knew who he was. And so... Uh, I got on the news and said my spiel. It was edited. It was, you know, Fox news. What are you going to do? But it was, I was on there. And um, I kind of joked about it. I was like, man, that was easy. I should, I should, I should see where their next stops are. I wonder if there's any more local, you know, maybe they went up to Seattle or something. So I looked and sure enough, there was a couple more in my state. And so I decided I'll, you know, I'm going to go to those as well. And the next one was actually a, Q&A section, session with Andrew Wakefield at like a church and uh, kind of a showing of like a truncated uh, version of, of Vaxed. And so I decided to go to that and I was setting it all up and I kind of made a joke to my girlfriend. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I just followed them around the country like the Grateful Dead and just, just you know, just went everywhere they went and just every time they pulled into a new city, there I was. And uh, I, I made that joke online and somebody else is like, hey, you should you should do a GoFundMe. And so I said, sure. And that GoFundMe just took off. People just were like, go to the next city, Craig, go to the next city, Craig. And like a month and a half later, I'm still out on the road. And it just it, it, it went out of control. And in retrospect, it was uh, I would I, I'm absolutely glad I did it and I will never do it again <laughs> but it was uh it was fun so I followed the Vax group around and whenever they showed up to a city there I was with my single protest sign sometimes for a couple hours sometimes for many hours depending on the heat uh but I was just trying to be a thorn in their side and and I was and <laughs> it was uh it was a heck of a road trip
0: did they have a publicized schedule that you could follow to anticipate where they would be um, or, or was there some other way that you were able to track their movements?
1: Yeah, so uh, initially they did, and then at some point they got very tired of me and decided to uh, stop going to their public locations. And they were um, they were having it at either uh, at, you know kind of either at a private residence they would just pull up at somebody's house. And so in those cases, I did not follow them, even if I could have, I was like, you know what, that's, that's cool. And, and I considered that a win. If you're not going to be at a public park, you're not going to be set up in front of some pediatrician's office, uh, you know, or something like that. And my whole thing was I, I there was absolutely no way I was going to convince them <laughs> that they were wrong and they were, I, I was going to be there, you know, come to Jesus moment where they were like, oh, Craig, you make a good point. We're going to shut down the Vax bus. Of course not, right? But what I want to do is at least push them into hiding so they're not spreading their influence to passerbys. And so when they would pull up in a private residence, that's cool with me. Go film your little movie. I pushed you out of the parking lots, right? Um, but yeah, at some point they got kind of uh, annoyed with me and started going more more hidden. And sometimes it was a private residence and sometimes it was more just a secret location like the old rave days where you just had to know somebody who knew somebody who told you where it was gonna be, where the spot was. Uh, and some of those we found. We found that in, um, in uh, uh, Minnesota, I think it was, and uh, they were (laughs) they pulled into this park and we were already there waiting for them and then we had a big crew that city we actually had like like probably a dozen people protesting them and then uh, and then we called the park rangers on them for filming them a movie without a permit (laughs) but that was uh, (laughs) so the park ranger came and told them they couldn't film their movie unless it was inside their bus and (laughs) so anyway it was we we had fun with it but yeah they they started going into hiding towards the end there
0: How did you once they switched to private locations and how did you find out where they were going
1: so um like well so (coughs) one of the best ones was was that one where we decided the best way to do it was to uh email them from a made-up email address and tell them that we wanted to tell a vax injury story Um, on their bus. And of course, anybody with any vaccine injury story, oh yeah, we're going to be at this location. And so um, we made it, my girlfriend made up this uh, story that was basically like, she got the HPV vaccine and then she was like 15 years old. And then suddenly she had weight gain and her, and she had like, uh, you know, cramping. And basically she just described like all like the symptoms of puberty to them as as a vaccine injury and they were like oh yeah you need to come in and get on film and here's the location and make sure you don't tell craig egan where it's at because we don't want him to be there like literally in the email they're like make sure you keep this secret from craig and we're just like cool right thanks for telling us where you're at so it was it was stuff like that we (laughs) there was uh there was some some really hilarious moments yeah it was good
0: that that is absolute genius and and uh... Yes, yeah, just a beautiful irony as, as well. I really respect the fact that you um, stayed away from private residences because that's that shows a respect of boundaries that we very rarely get from anti-vaxxers themselves. And I think that, that speaks to another point that when we're combating anti-vaxxers, it is important to avoid sinking to their level. We've got to maintain the... Higher moral ground, and just show you know the right way to behave in in these situations, and show that we're not on the same level as them. And it's not just that we have the right arguments, but that we 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 are decent people going about this in a decent way, and we expect that of everyone else involved in the debate. I I think that's a really significant issue.
1: Thank you. And there was, I will admit, there was one time where maybe. I would have handled it differently. Uh, we had, um, so I had one stop in Montana where we, where we were at this park. It was across the street from the Capitol building. And uh, as luck would have it, the VAX crew set up across the street from a bagpipe convention. And so there was all these like bagpipe people playing across the street. And so they couldn't record their movie in their bus because it was too loud because of the bagpipe players. And so they moved to another park and we followed them there and that was that. But it gave me, it, it's planted the seed in my head that we could interrupt them by making noise. And so one of the next locations they were, we were in Kansas City, I believe it was, the day of the eclipse. They were in this parking lot in front of a chiropractor's office as, as was often the case. And I had this great idea that I was going to get an air horn and a sign that just said like, honk if you love vaccines. And people would drive through and they would see the Vax bus and they would see me with this honk if you love vaccine sign and they would honk and then I would honk my air horn. And it was great fun until later we saw the videotape of inside the bus. And there's this mom talking about her, how her child died and she's blaming it on vaccines and it's not what happened, but that's besides the point because here's this grieving mom and I'm outside making a ruckus and honking this horn and laughing. And it just, it, it was gutting to everybody. And it it, it really kind of illustrated really the, 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 the tight rope walk you have to do with this because there's a lot of different things involved. One, you have to be sensitive to a grieving mom. Two, you have to realize that that grieving mom is mistaken and putting other children in danger with her stories and then you have to realize that even if that's the case, still arguing with her makes you look like a dick. And so it's just, it becomes it becomes tricky. But I apologize for that. I didn't want to cause her any more grief than she's already going through, even if she's dead wrong about what happened. Um, so yeah, it's it's tricky. It's very difficult because it's that's the sacred cow of the anti-vax world is these parental stories, and even if they're mistaken. They're, they're still dangerous, and, it's, and, and it becomes weaponized by the anti-vaxxers. Every time you attack the anti-vax bus, and I'm going to like, oh, he's attacking grieving parents. Well, I'm not out attacking grieving parents. That's, and they're using these parents as like human shields, and it becomes very messy. There's a lot of blame to go around. I'm not sure there's a great answer, but it's something that I have learned. You kind of got to tiptoe around. It's, it's difficult.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really well put. What did you do for accommodation on your uh, Vaxed Troll tour? Did you book ahead to different venues and, and just you know, grab a local motel or did you just show up and hope that you'd be able to get somewhere? What what was the story?
1: So in in most cases, yeah, we just used like Priceline. We, we just kind of uh, <laughs> just, uh, you know, we I don't know, you know, the, the, the cities and you know, Branson or wherever we were, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, uh, so, you know, I, yeah, we just use an app to, to find hotels. There were some places people, there were some stops along the way where we knew people and then they, you know, invited us into their home and we networked people. And there was interviews that we did with uh, medical professionals at certain locations. And so we tried to, you know, network it. Um, but we also just uh, ended up staying at a lot of really interesting hotels that our priceline app just happened to give us on a whim it was it was kind of an adventure all around yeah it was good
0: you managed to get uh quite an extraordinary amount of media coverage um and i'm interested to see how that happened did you reach out to the media in advance, tell them where you would be, maybe get some interest. How, how did it first start that the media got interested in you as much as being interested in the Vaxxed bus tour?
1: So it was. Uh, I would love to uh, tell you that I had this grand plan and it all was coordinated and it all came together exactly like I intended. Uh, but the reality is that there was all seat of the pants and it was all pure luck. The first time they stopped at my city in Tacoma, and I showed up exactly the same time as the film crew by pure coincidence. That happened like six times along the along the journey, where they would be there for twelve hours. I would show up for a couple because it was, you know, a hundred degrees out, and I was standing outside, and they were inside an air-conditioned bus. Um, but I would just had a knack for showing up the same time as the film crew, and so <laughs> we um, we did that. And then um, some uh, local some like internet. Um, sites like Boing Boing and things kind of caught the story and would you know would, would, would promote it and then I started I got a call from Dr. Drew and I, t- I got it interviewed by Dr. Drew for, a, for about a half hour on his radio show uh, but it was all it was all just luck and uh, you know other people just kind of you know catching the story and believing in it I, I really wish I could say I was a genius uh, media marketer but I'm absolutely not.
0: What was the most challenging aspect of your vexed Bust marathon?
1: So it was, like I said, I had no intention or, or not even intention, not even the word, but expectation that I was going to change the minds of anybody there who was there to tell their story or is there to be part of the bus, you know? And so what, I, what my concern was this, uh, I don't care what they believe. What I care about is if they set up in a park and somebody who's there with their kids playing volleyball walks over and they're like, Hey, what's all this about? I want to be able to talk to that person too, and not just to have a one-sided description of the Vax bus from the Vax people. Um, so that was my intention. I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, if I could, you know, either be a pain in their ass. So they had to go into hiding or at the very least I was there. So just passerbys walking by wondering what the bus was about, had somebody reasonable to talk to. Um, but, keeping that, um, actually making that happen was kind of few and far between. You know, A lot of times they were off kind of in the corner and nobody did wander up. So I was just standing there with a sign looking stupid (laughs) for a couple hours and it was fine, it was good. Uh, But it was just kind of, I just kind of had to keep keep on keeping on and say, you know what, even if I'm not being as as effective as, as I hope to be or whatever, I, I know in the big picture that I was, and in the big picture I did, they, 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 they stopped going to public you know, locations, they cut their like, you know, stops down like by half, they, they started you know, skipping cities or going into hiding. And so it made a real effect, but at the beginning it, it, it felt useless. It felt fun and I was good to be a pain, but I was like, am I really making a difference? And it was just kind of getting over that in my head, I think was the biggest challenge.
0: So, how did anti-vaxxers respond to you? Firstly, how did the vaxed crew respond to you, and any other anti-vaxxers who who were in attendance, maybe parents or other other activists?
1: Yeah. So it was, there was a there was a spectrum, and it was very interesting. At first, the vaxed crew was at least civil to me at the very beginning, and uh, and you know, they, they were cool with me. I was, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in their face. I wasn't, you know, trying to, you know, assault them in any way. I was just standing there, you know, with a sign. And so it was civil. I had some parents come up to me and they're like, you know, my parent, my child has this condition because of vaccines. And it's very difficult to argue with somebody about their own kid. And so the framing I would always try to use was just, you know what, I'm not here to argue with you about your kid that's not going to go anywhere and we both know that what i'm saying is is that like if you look at this bus and you see a hundred thousand signatures on your i can guarantee you the overwhelming majority of them have nothing to do with vaccines and if uh, all these people if your kid truly honestly had a vaccine reaction all of these other people crying wolf isn't helping your kid at all and and that's kind of the way i would try to do it It was was, you know i'm not going to argue with you but i'm just saying as a bit in the big picture i think the majority of you are wrong and and you can you can you know deduce from that what what you will, um, but it was civil. Uh, one location they were uh, one of the org- local organizers was very aggressive against me, called hotel security. They were at a hotel and she, We were staying at the same hotel they were, but they, they called hotel security, and tried to get us kicked out. Uh, we didn't get kicked out after we explained what was going on. Uh, but she would not let us come to the Q and A meeting. She was, every time one of the people came up and talked to us, she would come up and, and whisk them away. say you don't want to talk to them and pull, pull them away and wouldn't let us people talk to us. Um, but mostly it was civil. And then it actually became friendly it, it became to a point where they actually gave me like some like uh, like goodie bags of like non-gmo gummy bears and like some like you know weird stuff they got over at the whole foods or or whatever i took it with with the humor and you know grace that it was intended and it was fine um and then there was the incident with the air horn and the noise and it kind of soured from there and so uh that's where we kind of ended up being more argumentative i think at that point after the air horn thing, it started raining, so we left, and as we were pulling out of the parking lot, a police car was pulling in, and so I don't know if they called the police on us or what, but at that point, it was a little more, um, yeah, non-civil, uh, but I don't know, like I said, it was there was an evolution involved, and it was a spectrum, but nobody was violent or, oh, I'll take that back. <laughs> so um, uh, they did have an interview. What's the guy? Some conspiracy theorist radio show guy, you know, some Alex Jones knockoff type who uh, believes in the Georgia Guidestones and the Illuminati and the lizard people and all these things. They were interviewing him on the bus and he basically, they, they brought up my, me and uh they were at a private location and she was like i guess the troll didn't follow us to this private location and he basically said that when society collapses i was going to be the first person he hung from a noose and i was like whoa all right dude <laughs> mr conspiracy guy he was like and he was very serious about it he was very serious about it. he was going to hunt me down personally uh when the coast was clear and i was like well that's cool man all right i'm I'm glad we're on that level, <laughs> but for the most part, everybody was nice.
0: <laughs> what did you hope to achieve by following the Vax bus around, and what do you feel that you achieved?
1: So, I, I like I said, it, it was it was a joke that got out of control. I wasn't a, I wasn't aiming to go on the trip, much less have some grand achievement involved. It was kind of trust the journey, and we'll see where it ends up. Um, seat of the pants kind of thing. I've, I saw, you know, the opportunity kept putting itself, hey, more people are paying money for you to go to this other city just because they hate the anti-vaxxers as much as you do, and it's easier for them to donate $100 than it is to follow them around themselves. And so, you know, um, so really it was, like I said, the, 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 the original intention was to either drive them underground or to be there to talk to people who wandered upon them. And then um, ultimately also just, there was a lot of people getting enjoyment out of just sticking it to the anti-vaxxers, not because we were gonna stop them from hurting the world, just because it was cool to poke them once and have them get pissed about it, you know? And just because we've been fighting against these people for years and they're causing real damage. And it was just kind of cathartic to a lot of people to see them just, you know, getting really upset at this, you know, uh, just, dorky dude falling him around on the sign, and, and how upset they were getting about it um so it, it just kind of it became a thing in and up of, of itself even if it didn't have really grand aspirations i, I think it was still a, a net positive
0: what would you say or what recommendations would you give to anyone who's seeking to become uh, any kind of of provax advocate uh whether online, offline, or a combination of both?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, don't, oh my God, don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm no, uh, no it's, it's, it's rewarding and it's important. And um, the thing is, is that the more people who do it, the easier it is for all of us. And the problem is, is that the people who are wrong are also really loud and they can be really vicious and sometimes uh when there's just a few of us it becomes overwhelming and i think if everybody just did a little bit just pushed back a little bit and and said you know when when that parent at the pta meetings stands up and you know starts going on about vaccine mandates and how their kid should have a religious exemption or whatever (laughs) you know if if more people in that group stood up and said you know what actually we support vaccines and this is saving our kids and and this person doesn't speak for us I, you know, I think it would make a difference. I know that's the case for every issue, you know, and, and so and I, I get it. You can only, you know, you can only take on so much, but it's an important one, I think. And right now, I think uh, we're seeing it play out in real time, the importance, because this is all very abstract when we're talking about polio. And, and in, 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 in truth, a bunch of people in America can skip their polio vaccine and probably has zero chance of ever actually contracting polio, uh, the, because the vaccinations have done such a good job of eliminating it. But right now when it comes to like the COVID-19 vaccine, that's not the case. And we're seeing like in real time, it play out what happens when people do and don't believe in science and people do and don't, you know, people believe in, you know, BS over, you know, you know, credible sources. And, and I think, uh, I, I think, boy, I, I really hope there's a lesson that we all can take from this. I sometimes become a little bit pessimistic. Uh, I think for the longest time, many of us joked that it was going to take a pandemic for anti-vaxxers to wake up and, and see the truth. And we were in the middle of a pandemic and they're just doubling down. And so it becomes disheartening, but, but it becomes, I think, more clear how important it is.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I can't remember who said this, but uh, there's a saying that you you can't reason someone out of a position they didn't reason themselves into. And I think that's extremely accurate. When people have a position that is not based on Logic. logic or reason or, Verifiable facts, but largely based on feelings or uh, propaganda that they've picked up, or their worldview is so skewed that they don't put things together in a in a coherent, rational, logical way. They just pick whatever sounds good and they slap it together and say, "Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat on this." it becomes very difficult to reach them. So it's not surprising really that anti-vaxxers did double down during the pandemic because uh, for many of them, it was all they could do that this is just their default position. When any significant medical issue uh, arises, they have to double down because it's, it's all they've got. Uh, but some of the more reasonable ones can and have been persuaded to see the light, I think, during this pandemic, and they've come to realize that their position was not evidence-based, but was in fact based on feelings, anecdotes, uh, lies, propaganda, and they've begun to see where they went wrong, that there was, it wasn't just the information provided to them, but the way they interpreted it. And that, that, I think, is the most significant aspect of the whole debate. Both sides want to say, well, our position is evidence-based, but we disagree on what constitutes evidence, and we disagree on what constitutes evidence for certain things. So our definition of, of evidence is at odds. Uh, you know, Our, our respective definitions of, of evidence are at odds. And the way we interpret what we see as evidence is also very different. So until there is a change in the way of thinking, then we are still going to see the same old traps and the the same old anti-vaxxers falling into them because their thinking hasn't changed, which means they are effectively immune to the facts because they cannot afford to accept them and because their worldview won't allow them to do so.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and it's it's and I, and I think even on a simpler level, how hard it is to admit you're wrong on something that you bet the lives of your kid on, you know, and it's and that's a real tough one to say. Oh, and I've had that where where parents have have. You know, either directly or indirectly been influenced by what I said and came around and I've got like a collection of people emailing me say you're the one who convinced me I should go vaccinate my kids. Um, But, but how hard is it to make that admission that you bought into something that was complete nonsense and uh, risk the lives of your kids over it. And so a lot of people, they, I don't think they can admit that and they, I don't think they ever will. And, it's, and it just becomes uh, just a loop, a circular loop in their head where there's absolutely no way they can break out of that cycle just because they've, they've already put so much risk and identity into it that, that admitting they're wrong is just overwhelming.
0: Craig, are you still actively involved in vaccine uh, advocacy?
1: So, uh, I go through my ebb and flows where, you know, of burnout periods. Uh, currently, I'm on a down uh, 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 tip just because I, uh, I recently had twins. Um, and so, today, as a, as, a, as a coincidence, I brought my two twin daughters to the, to the doctor to get three vaccination shots and an oral uh, rotavirus vaccine uh, because I walked the walk and because it's important. Uh, and that happened just earlier today. We had uh, six shots in the family because uh, I eat my own dog food and I, I, I practice what I preach. But, but it's also made me very, very busy and uh, exhausted and, um, and honestly covered in spit up uh, half of the day. And so at this current moment, I'm taking a little bit of a sabbatical from the vaccine um, uh, fight but I've got some ideas rolling around in my head. I think I may do a YouTube series soon. Um, just, I, but but currently, right now, I'm just taking a breather, honestly.
0: If people want to follow some good vaccine advocates online, whether on on Facebook or, or on a blog or on YouTube or a podcast, who can you recommend?
1: So there's some uh, there's some good ones. I got there's there's so many, and and I wish I'd had a, a prepared list. Uh, I feel like the you know when you get called for the Oscars and you didn't think you were going to win. But the um, uh, reputations to anti-vaccine memes has the greatest meme collection of anti-vaccine memes going. My page is defunct right now, but it was uh, embarrassed cousins of proud parents of unvaccinated children. My 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 friend Allison wrote a wonderful book called Your Baby's Best Shot, and she has a um, a page uh, to follow for that. Uh, but there's some good ones out there. It's 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 uh, tricky. It's because What's, what's, what's uh, great is I can, wh- it's, it's refreshing to me that I have way too many pro-vaccine pages to list uh, to really go down and, and share with you, but um, we're finally at a point where most of the big anti-vaccine pages have been removed, and that's something that I have been fighting for for the longest time, and now you're starting to see uh, the NVIC page was just removed, Sherry Tenpenny's uh, page was removed, Larry Cook's stop mandatory vaccination page was removed, Um, And so finally, you know, too little too late, but we'll take it. Facebook is stepping up and other platforms are stepping up and finally getting rid of some of these really horrendous uh, anti-vaccine pages that have been, you know, a problem for way too long.
0: Craig, thank you very much for speaking with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And it's been something I wanted to do for quite a while to catch up and find out about your your story with the Vaxxed Bus propaganda tour. And I I think I speak for a lot of us when I I thank you from the bottom of my...